Remember the first time you saw a race car on an open trailer? Maybe it was full of dirt, tire marks, and other battle scars. You wondered where it had been, and more importantly, where it was going next. Every open trailer has a story, and we're here to tell it. Welcome to the Open Trailer Podcast. Stage number two of the Bab family on Open Trailer Podcast. Three generations, Bob Sr., Bob Jr., and Brad. Stage one was great. I don't know about you, but every time I hear a story from the 50s or 60s, my mind is just transfixed into a black and white photo. Obviously, I know people saw it color back then, but for whatever reason, in my mind, they didn't. And uh, it just, I don't know, as to the mystique. But really cool to get some of that history documented for the podcast. And without you, it doesn't happen. So thank you for your support. You can contribute to Open Trailer Podcast by going to patreon.com slash open trailer podcast. We are a product of Main Vintage Race Car Association. Subscribe to us for less than $2 a month and help preserve the history of racing in the state of Maine. It's what we do. Now, in stage number two, it's more of the recent history, if you consider 1997 to be recent. I mean, it's at this recording 26 years ago. No, 25. But we get into Bob's championship years. A young, brash Brad Bab comes on the scene. And one of their, I think, greatest accomplishments as a family uh, didn't even happen in Maine. And many of you were a part of it if you're on the other side of the White Mountains. So let's get right to it. Stage number two of the Babs on Open Trailer Podcast. can skip ahead here a little bit and go to the unless i'm missing anything from the early 90s because you know the mid 90s is when you really start to race beach ridge a lot yeah and and what caused you to to gravitate more towards the scarborough racetrack it was close to home uh the cusacks owned it clean it was it was a good place to race you know had a lot of cars and it was just a good place to race and um you know you start picking up championships too uh, you have been racing on and off, or mostly on, for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And 19 years into it, you get your first championship. It seems to be a consistent thing in, in the Bab family where, you know, you'll, you'll run for a long time uh, without a championship. You know, it took him 16, I think, actually, you know what, it took him 19 years too. Yeah. It took him 19 years of racing yeah. to win your first championship. And, and same with you. Can you tell me about 1998? I never won a race that year. We just, I didn't really concentrate on the points that much until three, four, or five races to go. And that's when, when we uh, started going for it. And hmm. I never, never really paid a lot of attention to points until really? late in the year. Is that true, though? Because I remember speaking directly with you, and you aren't different than many other racers who, uh, you know, as a race announcer, I'll be like, yeah, so this is about the points and that and the other thing. And they'll be like, yeah, I don't, I don't care about points. I don't worry about points. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. If I was a racer, I'd worry about points. I don't think I did until I started winning Point. after I got my championship. Yeah. You know what I mean? That has a way of spoiling it. Yeah. <laughs> I just, 
we raced to, to race and have fun. And then uh, you started thinking about it more after you were there every week, right in the front, you know? Yeah. So you, uh, you win a championship in 1998. You climb that mountain. You finally do it. Was it harder to win the second one? Um, I don't know. No. no, the second one, second one was easier. That was, I think that was a year Bubba finished second in points. The f- the first one, that was a tough one. I didn't lead it until right at the end. I think Little Mayetta led most of the year that year. He drove Steve Perry's car, really good car that year. And uh, the last race, well, two races to go, he's like, I hope you take the point lead because... It's too much pressure. Who said this? Mikey. Mike Maeda, a no, junior. Junior. Yeah, yeah. I, I passed Mikey with a week to go in the points, and all I had to do was keep him within like four spots for the championship. And we beat him. He won the race, and I was right up front. So there wasn't a, a rivalry between the Babs and Maetas. No, no, not at all. As a race fan at the time, it seemed that there were that there was a rivalry, but you guys got along. Yeah, just fine. Yeah, I, Mike Mayetta, he's one of the best racers there ever was down there, cleanest. Some people don't think so, but he Nine-time tra- track champion. Yeah, he raced mm-hmm. you the way you raced him, and I could have won the third championship in a row in 2000, and me and him were tied going into the feature in points, and whoever beat who won the championship. And he finished third, and I finished fourth. I could have moved him, mm-hmm. but there was no way I would to him. That's the way it was, you know. Well, that's the way it was. It's the way you learned yeah. from your dad. Yeah. What is it like for a race car driver to finish up a week's worth of racing and you guys are tied in the points, you have one week left. How much do you think about racing for that week leading up to the, to the last race? You probably think about it all week long. Do you remember anything about that week? Not really. No? Not really. We just go about business. I Like I said, we had won two championships in a row. If we got the third one, great. If he won it. Well, 99 was a special year, too, because you also get driver of the year. Yeah. Was that a surprise? That's pretty cool because uh, there was a lot of – they'd given it out for 10 years, I think, because Matt, I got the driver of the decade then. Mm-hmm. And uh, You know, I think you might be the first generation of – might be the, are you the only generation of father's sons to win back-to-back consecutive titles? I think you are. I think so on that. Yeah, yeah because Glenn won a championship, but yeah, he didn't win he didn't consecutively. Win. No, no. Yeah. No, so there you go. That's a stat we just figured out. Yeah. What was it like to watch your son achieve what he did? Don't say you don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Real good. Uh, why, did you, why did you stop running? You ran for a long time, yeah. Bob. The car I had was no good. Really? Everybody tried it, too. Never yeah. got it going. Yeah. What was your last race car? Uh, Camaro. Yeah. It was a nickel. No, I drove it a few times, and you yeah. had your hands full on that. Uh, Brad starts to come along, um, you know, as a spectator. As you know, we talked about earlier in the podcast, you knew nothing more than what you knew. Because, you you know, you'd walk around your house. as your. Do you guys keep trophies around the house? Do you have, a, like, a, like a shrine or a trophy room? Uh, 
Yeah, in my parents' house, my sister and I's old game room is pretty much full of trophies all, almost all the way around it. What is the coolest trophy you've seen in there? Um, I don't know. Probably, probably dad's championship trophies at that point. The late 90s? Yeah. yeah. When do you start remembering um, or forming memories of going to the racetrack? As early as I can remember. Because you were born during the race season, too, but like kind of the end. Yeah. Yeah, but you have Brad come in, and he has something that the other two generations don't at their disposal, which is the go-kart program mm-hmm. that starts right at Scarborough as well. So you guys are at Beach Ridge all the time. You know, Friday night you're racing, Saturday night you're racing, Bob, you're watching the whole thing. Uh, what were your original go-kart days like? Actually, my rookie class was pretty pretty good it was me bobby timmons aaron ricker uh josh cantera joey dwyer and we were all like rookies at the same time what's it like to grow up with that pack i mean you guys so how old are you now uh 29 so you're 29 30 years old uh and you're still friends with a lot of those guys yeah yeah did you do the uh the annual sleepover that they had i wasn't there long enough to do that oh okay why is that uh, I was allowed back, but my father and my grandfather weren't. So you didn't complete one of the seasons, did you? Did you? Yeah, my first year. <laughs> you never raced a full season of go-karts? Not at Beach Ridge. Well, we got to get into it. What happened? So Aaron Rickert was leading. Uh, Dylan Staples was running second. I was running third. And the kid in second just hopped the curb a little bit. I got into him. He spun out. And the rule was... A-B rule, if you make contact and the yellow comes out, both drivers go to the rear. Mm-hmm. Well, it was like the fourth or fifth caution of the night. They send us into the pits to put us in timeout, wait for the next race to go. And they leave us lined up. I'm sitting second, and that kid's at the rear. But I know the whole time that I'm going to the rear when we go back out. So we go back out, they send me to the rear, and they put him back in second when he was the cause of the caution. If anything... Right? If anything, I should have still been second, whatever, but mm-hmm. I was eight years old. You don't know any different. No, I didn't mm-hmm. care. I just drove back to the front, finished second, third, whatever, and I get to the scales. We had another race later that night. I get to the scales after the race, and Dad says, go to the truck. I'm like, oh, we got to go on the scales. You know, we finish whatever in tech. we got to go to the scales. Nope, just go to the truck. Well, they're going to kick us out. We're not going to be able to race later. Just go to the truck. <laughs> okay. Do you remember saying that? Just go to the truck. Oh, yeah. 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 So you end up going to the truck, but you're by yourself at the truck. <clears throat> well, Dad and Grandpa were there and just loaded everything up as quick as they could. I really didn't know what was going on. At what was going on? Oh, they should have done it. Either both kids go to the rear or both kids get this spot. I guess we discussed it a little bit too heavily with Pastori at the time. And That's one of the things that Bob Sr. remembers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, that's the great thing about you, Bob Sr., is, um, you know, coming up through Beechridge and, uh, and, and knowing who you are and knowing what you accomplished, but not really knowing you all that much. As I was quite a bit intimidated by you when I was younger because you just had that stance where you'd stand on the hill and you would just observe everything. And I'm like, that guy has like 15 things going through his mind right now, and I don't want to – you've always been friendly with me, don't get me wrong. So, I mean, I can understand how you can be a kind of an imposing figure. Apparently, you and uh, and the head of the go-kart program ended up in a little bit of a heated argument that day. Yep. 
See, then that's that comes back to it. He doesn't really say much either. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. He like you love you're the old Yankee or the mobster that doesn't want to talk on the phone because you know your phone's tapped. <laughs> <laughs> and I respect the hell out of it. I really do. But yeah, so there was an altercation, and obviously, Brad, you know, without digging too too much into it, um, you know, you don't finish that year. You you go. I assume you go to Oxford. They but, didn't have go karts at the time. At oh, Oxford, really? So they we didn't. went to Richmond the rest of that year. Do you ever go to Sugar Hill? I always wanted to, but I don't know. Go karts were a money sucker. Yeah, you spent and spent and spent and never really got anything out of it. And yeah, but you know what's uh, what's what's less expensive and more economical is two children racing full bodied stock cars. <laughs> 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 because you have Brad move up, yeah. um, and, and you, we can touch on the Whiz Kids stuff too, because I believe that was the next step for you. Yeah. I thought it was really cool. Um, mm. It was probably more expensive than a go-kart, but <laughs> probably. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was 13 when they started that class, and uh, I knew it was going to be another couple of years before I could race anything else. And I don't know, I probably begged Dad to build a car for the first year at the time. So they had started the Roadrunners, like, about the same time, and we were getting Jamie Heath's championship car for Kelsey to run because she was old enough to race Roadrunners. And Jamie was a big Dodge guy, so as soon as they announced the WizKids class, he was all excited to build me a Neon mm-hmm. to run that. So I didn't have to, I don't think I had to beg too hard because he was all over it. Did you have to, you know, we talk about Bob having to wait till he was 21 to race Beach Ridge. And then there was a rule where you had to be a certain age to race Beach Ridge by the time that you were coming up. But I think you started a little earlier. Yeah, so you had to be 15 with a permit, and after the first year of the Whiz Kids, there was like three or four of us that were running up front every night, you know, mm. every week that they had us, and the rest of the kids were all old enough to move up to whatever they wanted to race the next year, and I was still only going to be 14. I think Andy had to get it like cleared by the insurance company or something for me to move up at 14 just to get me out of the Whiz Kids and... Right. into a regular division. So I was either able to run Roadrunners or Thursday Thunder. Uh, you know, there's the iconic Bab shot in the 80s where you're running four race teams out of the same shop. You got yours, you got, you got both Bobby's, and you got, um, you, got, uh, you got George's race car, and you have uh, Barry's race car as well. So that's and, four. And Jerry. And Jerry. Jerry. So five race teams yeah. you're, you're running. Um you end up running multiple race teams again, mm. you know. So we have three. Did you, were there ever the three of you ever running the same week? Because uh, I know Kelsey ran Sports Series. You were running Pro, and then you came back and ran Pro a little well, bit. Yeah, I I was running Pro, uh, and you're you know you winning championships too. I mean, it's not like you were slacking at no. all. Did you feel like there was more pressure? Oh, way more. I yeah, I was ugly all the time. <laughs> it just way too much stress and. Uh, I don't know if it was really so much watching him, but watching her. Mm. If anybody did her wrong, I was... She was in a pretty bad wreck, Yeah, I remember, on the backstretch. Yeah, it was in a, in a practice. Broken uh-huh. axle and coming out of two, and it turned around, hit driver's side. And what is that like as a parent? I think I got out onto the track. Uh, I don't know, but I remember none of us saw it. We were all getting my car ready to go out like the next practice or whatever yeah. mm. 
And Joey Dwyron was up on the bank and came down and was like, hey, you guys might want to come up here. Uh, Kelsey just wrecked. And none of us knew how bad it was, but it was pretty still hot. Yeah. I remember she sat – they hauled it in. She sat in the pit for quite a while, but ended up having a concussion from that, I think. Yeah, she had a concussion. I think she hit her knees together. Yeah. They were swelled up. Oof. But we have a much younger Bab. Uh, well, not relatively, I guess, because you were running that. You were running the tour at 19. Uh, do you have aspirations? I'm not talking about today. I'm talking about 2008, 2009. Do you have aspirations to climb a NASCAR ladder and, and try to and try to do that? Yeah, I would have loved to. Um, I mean, that was pretty much all I ever wanted to do. Mm. Um, I mean, I know as a kid, like the Craftsman Truck Series was like the ultimate goal for me. Like. I didn't care so much about going cup racing, but that would be, like, the peak. But, right. I mean, even, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, you had to have a lot of money behind you, and it was getting to the point where you had to be 16 getting there. There's a memory of, of one of Brad's races that, and I'm like, this is a guy that watches NASCAR on TV and does it right. You know, in the sense of that there's a showmanship, there's a presentation that you bring to the fans, and you knew how to push those buttons. And I'm talking specifically about uh, you and Bill Rogers running for, uh, I think it was the 4th of July race or something in the middle of the summer. And you guys were just leaning on each other, and you didn't take each other out or anything like that, but, I mean, it was just good racing, and the crowd hated you. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. And you gave it right back to them. Yeah, I remember... uh in victory lane specifically i remember there was one guy screaming from the other side of the fence that that's a nice second place trophy and i'm yeah. like oh it looks to me looks to me like it says first on it yeah yeah well no I, I will never forget the quote it says and if you don't like short track racing no if you didn't like that finish and you don't like short track racing yeah, and it just probably. rolled right off your tongue I'm like that kid gets it <laughs> yeah. i think that was the night too that i got up on the door and bowed like kyle bush when everyone was <laughs> <Yeah>. booing me <laughs> so what that's great Oh man, but I mean, so you, but you're still pretty young at that time. I mean, um, did you ever care that people booed you? Did it ever get to you? Not really. Um, it, I didn't really care as long as they were there making noise. Mm. They all, you know, everyone paid the same ticket price to get in. So as long as they were there, I didn't care. How did the act deal come about? So the end of the 2009 season. We had run the pass race at White Mountain, and then Sally Graves asked me to drive her at car at Oxford for the last race. And we went good there, started fourth, and I didn't, I had never run a race that long, really, so I didn't, or never had run a late model in my life. So Mm -hmm. I didn't know how much tire to save or anything. I rode around, fell back to 10th or 12th, and then drove up and finished sixth at the end, and she wanted to go run the whole tour the next year. It didn't work out quite the way it was supposed to. There was supposed to be a lot more money behind it and stuff, but it was it was a good way to get a foot in the door and get going on the tour, and we met a lot of people. And I mean, essentially, that was a, what ended up leading to me driving Joey LeCare's car years down the road. Which we'll get to in just a second. I, I totally skipped over one very monumental uh, year, which was your Pro Series year in 2012, or Pro Series Championship in the year 2012. And Bob, was that your final season racing? We had we had built a car for 2013. Yeah, and ran. ran a couple shows with it. I just did you fall out of love with the driving aspect of yeah. it? Yeah, 
I didn't. I don't like the way the cars drive now and the way they feel. They're on bump stops all the way around. I just. It's so, like driving a go kart. Everybody who is a racer and a mechanic's going to laugh at this question, but I have to ask this question because I don't know the answer. And I think there are more people like me than then will be vocal about it. So, for example, you have a lot of success in the 90s. You're driver of the decade, actually, of the year 2000s at Beechridge. Mm-hmm. You win uh, some more championships. You've won five championships. Only three guys have done that uh, at that time. Um, but you don't like the way the cars drive just a few years down the road. Why can't you just stick with what, you, what, what worked for you? It doesn't seem like the lap times are much different. I, I don't know. Uh, I know David Oliver and myself, we've always said, we ought to go back to a pair of 300s in the front. And mm. Do they change the rules? Is that what it is? No, you could do more. The, now the cars run right on the ground. The noses are dragging all the way around. Back then, they weren't. Um, I don't really know why everybody yeah. changed. Just because people down south did and it made it up this way, everybody did it. Monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, and it was... I think one way to put it, over time, obviously, the track loses grip. Yeah. So the track slows down. So if the cars are going the same speed, mm. they must be faster. Yeah. But it was a big year for you. I mean, um, you know, you get not only Pro Series uh, champion, but your driver of the year uh, that year. You mentioned running the tour uh, and doing some stuff with Sally Graves. Uh, then the LeCare deal comes uh, together, um, and you had a lot of success there. I mean, you're running the American-Canadian tour a couple of years in that, uh, in that iconic 15. What was it like taking over that and, 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 and all the emotion that went into that team? That was really cool, and when it started, it was just, we were at, it was 250 weekend. We were at Oxford, and I was running the 250 the next day. They had a late model race, and I went over to see Joey, and he's like, hey, um, the lights aren't very good here. I can't see very well at night. You want to drive my car? Yeah, sure. Mm. So I went out. We ran good, finished second that night, and he told me after the race, he goes, this is the first time this car's gone good. If it didn't go good tonight, I was selling it. So he ended up keeping it, and at the end, I, had, I drove it a few more times that year, ran the Milk Bowl, and um, at the end of the season, he bought Glenn Luce's old act car and was going to have me around the full tour the next year. And right around the time that he bought Glenn's car, he bought what was Riverside Speedway. He changed it to Speedway 51, mm. and... It was right around the same time that his grandson died in a four-wheeler accident. So there was a lot of emotion there. And that was, well, his grandson's number was 51. So that was why he changed the track to Speedway 51 Mm -hmm. and all that. Let's talk about that emotional weight because not only do you have, I think you're in a unique situation where you're, I mean, in any third generation driver, anybody who's grown up with racing and, and the lineage that, say, whether it's the Cusacks, um, you know, whether it's the Babs. Um, you know, Tardiffs, generations. Uh, you're already ha- you're already saddled with that that name, that you know, that expectation to perform, and then you have the Lacare situation, which is a completely different family with the same core following in a different part of New England. That had to weigh on you every single week. Yeah, I mean, there. W- 
there wasn't really all that much pressure from it, I guess. Like, really from Joey or anyone. I put Not from anybody, but from yourself. Yeah, from myself. But, I mean, it wouldn't be any different no matter what. I always expect to go out and do the best I can and try to win no matter what. Did you, uh, did you know Joey? Uh, little Joey. Little Joey? Yeah. Um, so he was at Oxford that night when I ran Joey's car the first time, and I had met him a few more times the rest of that season. So I wasn't super close with him, but I had gotten to know him a little bit. For what the Babs mean to Maine, LeCares and Vermont are, um, you know, just as uh, much of a, like a lightning rod, you know, like that's their home base. And then you go out there and you win a race at Thunder Road? Yeah, that was completely unexpected, but that was, I mean, that's their home track and that was yeah. the first race after little Joey had passed. You know, he had passed in October and it was the following May, opening day at Thunder Road. How much preparation went into that race car? I mean, no more than any other week, but... I mean, being Thunder Road and never really having any luck there before, I pretty much just went there expecting to mm. try and make the show. What did you think of Thunder Road when you first went? I liked it, but it's a, it's a different animal. It's nothing like anywhere else. Uh, are you able, from the driver's point of view, are you able to see turn four, or excuse me, yeah, no, turn four and the front stretch and the grandstands uh, from the driver's um, seat? I mean, you don't pay attention to it during the race, but you can look up there under caution or on pace laps and stuff. Did you feel the crowd was with you that day? At the end of the race, definitely. I mean, mm. they, the place pretty much went nuts when I got to victory lane and it was, it was really special, you know, to be able to win that one for the LeCares and actually little Joey's best friend won his race that day in the street stocks or whatever division it was too. So that was really cool. He had a throwback scheme to little Joey's car too. Was that the loudest that you've ever heard a crowd cheer? Probably, for you. probably, yeah. yeah. So, were either of you guys at that race that day? I was. I that was uh, probably the biggest win of my career. It's watching him, watching him do that for Joey. Where were you standing? I was in the probably in the pit grandstand. Yeah, the, no, I was. I was on the front stretch. I was on the front stretch, mm-hmm. right at the top row where. Up where all the spotters and stuff are, and uh, it just—it was emotional day. What was going through your head the last? Because you know you only led what eighteen laps that day, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So he gets the lead late in the race. He's getting after it. When does this start to for both of you? When does this start to? And you understand, no matter how focused you are on that race, you understand the weight of the day, and you understand the weight of the team and everything that they've been through. When does this become real for you? Um, when he took the lead and started driving away, it just, you were pretty Mm. much getting ready to fall apart at the time, you know, Mm. and, uh, just hoping for no yellows. He was catching Joey, who was also in the race in his other car and get the hell out of the way, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and his spotter did. He told him Bab was coming, had the lead. Joey pulled over and let him go, and it, it was just unreal. Well, you've been part of that situation twice. Um, you know, there was the night we were just speaking of right here at Thunder Road, but there was also Brad's Pro Series Championship night uh, in 2012 that you got to watch. You were in that race. Yeah. Uh, what was that race like for you to, you know? I pulled in the pit and watched it. I did 
more than I should have that year. I when he was running good, I I wanted to watch most of the time. I didn't know if you I can't I couldn't remember if you had finished the race. I know no. that you had pulled down in the three and something was going on. I didn't know if you watched it from the infield no. or from No, I went in the pit and stood up on the bank and watched. I just yeah. either kid. I just want to see him do good, you know. The act deal goes for a little while. Uh, what what happens there? We won a couple more races. And oh, you came back to Beechridge and you won a race at Beechridge. Yeah. Twice. Twice. Yeah, two years in a row. What's more fulfilling for you? Winning a race at Beechridge in front of that hometown crowd or that day in, in Vermont? I'd still say Thunder Road was my biggest win. It's hard to compare, really. Both mm. times we won Beechridge were special because it's home and there's things that have gone on and stuff. Just going to Thunder Road and being able to win there, I think, is a bigger deal. So, and, and, and you could do donuts at Beechridge, and Andy couldn't throw. Oh them. yeah, yeah. The first one. <laughs> That's right. The first one, and I told Andy that in Victory Lane when he came down to see me uh, after the race. I did a couple donuts in Turn One. I was off the racetrack, yeah. out on the extra like paved part, and uh, I mentioned it to him. Hey, I knew this was probably the one time in my life that I'm going to get to do donuts at Beechridge and, and not, not get, a, get in trouble for yeah, it. Not get a registered letter. Yeah, I mean, because Kelsey ends up uh, meeting Mike Ordway Jr. Uh, they form a relationship. They eventually get married. Is that how you uh, end up in Super Modifieds in kind of a backwards way? Yeah, I was always interested in the open wheel stuff. Um, you know, I always, I always liked it when the Modifieds or the Midgets or whatever would come to Beechridge, and I didn't see Supers a lot growing up, but you know. When I did see him, I liked him. And, you know, being around Mike, I got into it a lot more. got to know some of the people. And um, Did he ever try one of your cars? He tried Dad's car one night at Beechridge in practice. and He had driven a late model a few times before that. Oh. Over at Lee, I think, right? Lee, and uh, they tried to run the Milk Bowl once. But one of the guys that used to work on my car, um, he's neighbors with the Humphreys that now own... Riverside and mm. own 350 Supers and stuff. And um, so he started working on their cars just because it was right next door and they needed someone to drive Richard Humphrey's car one night. It was Star Classic night. And so they asked me to drive it and I, I had never even sat in the thing, went down there, qualified third and finished second in the feature and pretty much was hooked after that. How did you uh, how did you take to it so quickly? I don't know. I just treated it like it was any other race car. And go until it really go harder until it doesn't stick, and then. Yeah. So, um, in between, didn't you did you race for Goodwin, at Hannaford? Yeah, um, that was after I had started racing three fifty. Okay, uh, so we're still in the right direction. Yep, chronologically. Yeah. So, it was. The end of 2016, the first time I ran the 350. And then um, 2017, I drove for Bobby Weber and won the championship at Star. What's that program like? I mean, Bob just seems like he has a lot going on. Yeah, it wasn't quite as... He didn't have as many cars back then, but he had bought... It was an old big block car that had run... I think it had finished in the top five, like five years in a row in the Star Classic. And that was the Mm. only race it ran every year. Oh, wow. And so he bought that, and someone else was supposed to drive it, and they got it converted over to a 350 and everything, and then, I don't know, the deal fell through, so he needed someone to drive it a couple months before the season started. So he asked me and did it. 
So we're now in 2022. You have experience with the Supermodifieds, you know, dating back probably about a half dozen years now, entrenched with the Ordway family, and, you know, they are Supermodified. Mm. How do you feel the health of the Supermodifieds are in, in general compared to uh, other eras? The big blocks, it's it hasn't been very good for a couple of years now, and especially with the Canadian border being shut down. That really hurt it. But, um, I mean, hopefully it'll come back. Do you think it's going to take the Canadian border opening up for the health of it to come back? It definitely will help. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Hopefully the new deal that, um, like Mayberry's starting up will help it. But the 350 Supers, we've got a good feel of those every week at Star. Um, Isn't your go-kart buddy Timmons part of one of those? Yeah, he's. Yeah. we still race together every week. That's nuts. Has he? Have you noticed that he's changed his driving over the years from whether it be super late models? Um, well, we used to fight with each other in go karts. We hated <laughs> yeah. each other. Oh, really? Then, but, yeah, uh, yeah. We're we're good friends now. Um, what was your first impression of Goodwin Hannaford? I mean, I had known who Goodwin was my whole life just from being around the track with these guys. Hmm. Um, the first time I drove for him, he actually. He asked me to drive his vintage car the night before the 250 in the Wicked Good series or whatever at Oxford. And I drove that, won the race that night. And he asked, I don't know, a week or two later, he asked me to drive his tour car in an open show at Claremont. I knew, obviously, who Goodwin was my whole life and stuff. I knew that he was stubborn, but I didn't know how stubborn until I got to the racetrack with his car and, the car is way too tight. Can we move this or can we change that? Nope. Can we change the air pressure? Nope. Can we do this? Nope. Then no. we go out in the feature and it runs good. So yeah. how do you argue with the guy? Bob, did you ever uh, have a Goodwin motor in your car? Nope. They're pretty good. <laughs> so you guys um, you guys have some success in that down at Star? Uh, so we ran the Tri-Track series. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, yeah. I, I sh- should have ran probably third or fourth at Claremont in a tri-track race and ran out of, or no, the, t- the right rear mm. tire. We pitted for a right rear, and uh, they they didn't get the wheel tight, and uh, probably 15, 20 laps after we went back green, it was about to come off, and there was like 20 to go. I pulled in, but I had passed um, Woody Pitcat and Matt Swanson and Tommy Barrett and got up to like sixth, and I was running down Ronnie Williams, who ended up third that night. And I mean, it was shaking so bad I couldn't even mm. see straight. So I pulled in, and when I got back to the pits, I think there was two lug nuts left on, and they were both loose. So. <laughs> Jesus. You've uh, obviously grown up with uh, your dad as a race car driver, you, you know, your grandfather as a race car driver. You're all three champions. Um, but when you look at old photos, is there any car of theirs that you would like to have driven? I mean, I'd like to drive pretty much any race car. But, but is there one that sticks out? Um, I don't know. Bob, is there anything that you've seen that your son drove or your grandson drove that you're like, you know, I could still win in that thing? Not me. Not you? You're done? <laughs> yeah, 1988, my car stunk. I don't want any more of it. Yeah. How about you, Bobby? You ever race a Super? No. You ever want to? I wanted to try championship in yeah i never did well yeah the plan 
I was leading the points pretty much the oh, whole okay. year, and yeah. the plan pretty much was after the season was over, he was going to just take it out for a practice or yeah. something. Hmm. And the last points race, I got wrecked in the heat, and we scabbed it back together enough to take the green, and the feature was all I had to do. I had a broken wrist, and ribs were screwed up and stuff. And like an idiot, I stayed out and ran the whole race and finished second that night. Did anybody tell you not to race? That night? Yeah. Not really. You didn't do Had a championship uh, to win. Does it matter if there are babies being born? (laughs) If there's a wrist broken, it's all about the racing. Pretty much. Well, boys, it's been uh, an extreme pleasure to have you here. Um, You know, I think it's, it's neat. Anytime you can get a couple of generations... But to have all three of you, and all three of you as vibrant as you are, I appreciate it. A huge thank you to Bob Sr., Bob Jr., and Brad Babb. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Shout out to Bill Binney and Binney Media for allowing me to use uh, their studios for this recording. You've heard the saying, we're going to need a bigger boat. Well, uh, I needed more microphones to do this story than... uh, than what we really had for Open Trailer Podcast, but we were able to pull it off in the end. Now, next time out, it's a story that involves, I don't know if I want to give it away yet. If Bob Knowles and the Knowles family were not involved in main racing, we would not be doing this today. And then it started growing a little bit further, you know, and so I added a second batch I bought were from the Kennedy uh, inauguration in D.C. Are those stands still at Unity today? Yes. So if you sit in the stands at Unity, you will sit in the same stands at the inauguration of John F. Kennedy? Well, some of them are. Some of them would be. Wow. You can't do a podcast about Maine racing and not feature Bob Knowles. Incredible stuff, and we'll get into it next time out on Open Trailer Podcast. I'm Andy Austin. Talk to you next time.